Well, good morning and welcome to CPC. My name is Joshua and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I want to say welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for being with us. If you are a regular at CPC, um, thank you. This is not normal, obviously. Um, and it's still weird. Even five, six weeks in, it's still weird. It's weird for me to be here talking to a screen. Um, and it's weird for you to be looking at a screen in your room. And so thank you for being here and for hanging in there with us and worshiping together, albeit virtually. Um, if you're visiting us for the first time, this is also weird for you because this is not the way you probably wanted to walk into a church. And so thank you for being here. If someone invited you or you found this website, um, I'm glad that you're here. And in fact, if you're exploring Christianity and wondering what the Bible has to say and what Christianity teaches about COVID-19 or suffering in general, or the life to come, then please, we'd love to, uh, for you to reach out through our website. We'd love to have that conversation with you. And now, members of CPC, uh, let me remind you before we get into the sermon that today at 11.30, we get to do something special. We get to uh, receive Anderson Yu into membership as he takes his vows. We're going to do that, uh, not in the way we would like to do that, in person with a hug and a handshake. Uh, but we're going to do that through the means that we have available, which means we're going to do that at our Zoom uh, prayer time. And the time has changed. It's 1130. So if you're doing this service kind of in real time, um, just shortly after you finish, click there on the link that's below and join us at our 1130 Zoom time to welcome in Anderson Yu into membership. Now, last week, Cal began our new series on the Holy Spirit. Um, Christians believe that uh, there is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we call this the Trinity. And while we're all separated from one another, huddled in our homes in front of screens like you are now, we thought it could be especially helpful to look at the person of the Holy Spirit because the New Testament teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the one that unites us all together and unites us to Christ and works in and through us to accomplish God's will. And today we're going to look at this well-known passage about the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the believer. So as we do that, let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, you hovered over the chaos and the darkness of the unformed world and creation. Hover over us now in this chaotic time to create new life in us and through us that we might look more like the light of our Savior in this dark world, to the glory of our Father in heaven. Amen. Now you've likely heard of the fruit of the Spirit, um, and you could probably even name some of them, love, joy, and peace, and so on. Um, each of them could be its own sermon. But you may be wondering, why talk about the fruit of the Spirit now, on this day, in the time, uh, in the midst of a global pandemic? Do I really need to think about building virtue when I can barely muster the motivation to change out of my sweatpants? Um, why talk about the fruit of the Spirit when I'm just trying to survive? And that's a fair question, but the reason is simple. And this is the reason. It's because now more than ever, we need the Holy Spirit and we need the Spirit's fruit. Um, we are, you know, and I don't even have to tell you this, you, you know this, we're going through what none of us have gone before. This is uncharted territory that we're all living in, um, and there's no playbook for it, which means that it's scary and it's pervasive. 
and add to that the fact that we don't really know when um, or how it will end. So there is this uh, scary, pervasive anxiety that is added to just about everything we do in life, whether working from home or buying groceries, which means that we now need the Holy Spirit's help more than ever. What better time to turn to the Holy Spirit, the one whose name is Helper, um, who was given to us by Christ to help. We need his fruit in our lives um, because this is our moment. This is a crucible. Um, this is a time when the world needs people of love and joy and peace and all of the fruit of the Spirit here in this moment. So how do we get there? Well, in our passage today, which comes from Galatians 5, you heard earlier, this is Paul's letter to the Galatians, and he lays out three aspects of the Spirit's work in our lives um, as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit. He tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is a war, a work, and a walk. So let's look at that first one. The fruit of the Spirit is a war, or maybe it's even better to say the fruit of the Spirit is at war. You know, before we get into the text, I have to ask, when you imagine um, the Holy Spirit working in your life, what, what actually comes to mind? What does that look like for you? How are, the Holy, how are the fruits of the Spirit given to you in your life? Well, last week, my son, Jasper, he's four years old, uh, he was building Legos. Uh, and he built a Lego castle. And he said, Daddy, look what I made you. It's a castle. And I said, oh, I love it. It's so cool, but there's a problem. Do you know what the problem is? And, and he furrows his brow and, um, and kind of cocks his head to the side. And I said, um, it's too small for me. How could I ever get in there? And then suddenly his face lights up and he says, oh, shrink ray. And I wonder if we approach the spirit like this, like a shrink ray. Um, as a fictional imaginary device that, if it worked, would provide instantaneous magical results. Just point, pull the trigger, and watch envy turn into kindness before your eyes. Yet the first thing Paul tells us about the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit's work here in this passage is that it's not a magic trick, but it's a war. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the de desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, it appears that the fruit of the spirit does not come to us unchallenged, but hard fought. There's a war within the Christian heart. And this is important because oftentimes we think, I'm just supposed to embody all the fruits of the spirit and yet when we look at our hearts, we see the works of the flesh. Paul's telling us this is totally what you should expect because there's a war in the Christian's heart between the na our natural instincts and inclinations and, and the Holy Spirit of God working within you. Now, some of us may object and say either, you know, I wasn't really that bad before I was a Christian, and, and you know what, I know uh, plenty of non-Christians um, you know, you might say, like, I know plenty of non-Christians who are more kind and patient than the Christians I know. Um, so we have to be careful here. Paul's not saying that there's this group of people who are led by the flesh and this group of people who are led by the Spirit. And um, that there's a war between the two, the morally bad and the morally good. No, 
God is at work in all people, in all of his creation, uh, restraining evil and providing what Christians have, have often called common grace so that we should both expect to see um, virtues uh, and what looks like virtues in, in all people, just in the same way we should look at our own hearts and expect to see that the works of the flesh are still there because it's a war. The flesh and the spirit are at odds in the heart of the believer. And that's important because um, we have to acknowledge that those works of the flesh are still within us. See, what Paul is saying is that the natural human being, apart from God, if God took his hand away from any of us, our natural inclinations would be self-absorbed hatred of God and of our neighbor. And if the whole world looked that way, it would be a dog-eat-dog world. You know, isn't that what it sort of sounds like when he's describing that list of the works of the flesh there in verse 19? He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. See, the, the war is not between non-Christian people um, and Christian people, but it's in our own hearts. We all have the works of the flesh, this self-absorbed, um, self-interested inclinations within our hearts. And so this war is, is internal. Now, I know that the parents out there don't have a problem believing this. Um, you probably heard that list of the works of the flesh and thought, I saw half of those in my own living room last week. Um, I know that's true for me. Fiddling with Wi-Fi tends to bring them out um, and expose them. And it could be that in a time of stress that we're all living in, these works of the flesh are more evident. Um, so if you repent and convert to Christianity, don't be shocked when you still see these old sins and habits that persist. And don't be shocked if it seems like patience and love are still far off because the Spirit's work and the fruit of the Spirit are at war with the works of the flesh. And we're told to obey and pursue the Spirit while abandoning and crucifying the flesh. So what does that mean for us now? Um, well, I think, you know, the question is what happens when we take hearts who, that are at war and we put them in the midst of a war, in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of suffering and strife? Well, there are two ways that we're going to be, uh, two options for us in how we take this. One is that we could simply go the way of resignation. We could um, see that we're at war within ourselves and, and in this stressful time think, you know what, I am just so tired of fighting. Um, I was barely hanging on before uh, the time of Corona. Um, and now that all the things that make life fun and interesting and enjoyable are gone, the things that I liked about work are gone, the things I liked about my city and my community are gone. And so um, I'm just so tired of fighting I've been good enough for long enough, and uh, you know what? I can't keep doing this. I need my idols and my pet sins and my comfort food. Um, my guess is that in the past five or six weeks, you have seen an uptick in this war between the flesh and the spirit. You have seen the works of the flesh coming in strong, and you're tempted to think, I deserve some comfort. I deserve to indulge, to let my lust run wild, to drink every night 
to hold on to that grudge, to troll my rivals on social media, to take out my anger on my spouse and my children and my coworkers, to blame someone else for this problem or any problem, to feed my envies. Friends, that is the work of the flesh within you. And that is the work, uh, that is the war within your heart um, being set aflame by the war without. And it's the flesh that's telling you to throw in the towel. So we can't just simply ignore the works of the flesh and, uh, and ignore the war uh, between the spirit and the flesh during this time. Um, because the flesh will not take a break. And our hearts will produce idols and sins in abundance during this time. Um, but there is another way. And that is the way of repentance. And the way of repentance says, my natural inclinations unchecked will destroy me and everyone around me. So Lord, I know that you love sinners. I can do no better on my own. I'm sorry. I repent. I need help. I can't fight this war alone. See, we have to acknowledge uh, the war within us during this, this stressful time or the flesh will win. We can't simply... Um, pretend that it's not there or ignore it and hope that, you know, I'll, I'll walk out of this patient and kind um, on my own. And that's because the fruit of the Spirit are at war with the works of the flesh. Now, why is that? Why didn't God just point the shrink ray at us the moment we believed and make us like Christ? Um, that's a good question. It's a fair question, and I don't know that I have a satisfying answer to that question. But what I do know is that he did not leave us alone. He has given us the Spirit to work in us and to produce good fruit. And while the Spirit may be at, at war with the, the, with the works of the flesh, that doesn't mean that we get the fruit of the Spirit simply by striving and trying to earn it. And that's because the second thing Paul shows us in this passage is that the fruit of the Spirit is a work. Now, it's not a work of the flesh. It is a work of God's free grace. The Spirit's work is a work of God's free grace. It doesn't come from us, but it's cultivated in us by the wonderful, mysterious work of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually not profound, but simple to see right there in the text. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Where does the fruit come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. Just like salvation, it is a gift of grace received by faith. It's not our fruit produced by trying hard enough. It's His fruit cultivated in us. The fruit of the Spirit belongs to the Spirit. Now, um, that's important for us to hear because just as some of us during stressful, anxious times have the inclination to hunker down um, during this pandemic, others will have the inclination to hustle. See, some of us take all the anxiety and just put our heads down and try to survive, um, while others take all the anxiety and they go to striving and strategizing. 
Maybe you're one of those types. You think, well, I, the way of resignation didn't actually sound like me. Um, you know, ever since we've given the order to shelter at home, I, sh I made my um, Corona routine and I put out my goals and I put my routine on the fridge and I know that at 9.15, I'm going to homeschool the kids and 10.15, I'm going for a jog and 11.15, I'm doing uh, Rosetta Stone and I'm going to come out of this thing with 15 home projects completed. I'm going to write the great American novel and I'm going to learn fluent French. So that, that may be you today. And what I want you to hear is that whether it's resignation or whether it's striving, both of those can be responses to anxiety. And so what we both need to hear, whether our inclination is to resign or it, or it is to strive, um, we need to hear that these fruit of the Spirit do not come by striving. They do not come from us. They come from the Holy Spirit. See, if we simply add these nine virtues to our to-do list and try to get there in our own power, we're likely to, at best, simply fabricate these fruit on the outside while the war is raging on the inside. And what we end up with is often not the life-giving fruit of the Spirit, but a bowl of waxy, inedible, decorative fruit, or something like an artificial Christmas tree with shiny, bright ornaments that that aren't authentic, that don't feed anyone. And we end up with either shame for failing to earn the fruit of the Spirit or self-righteousness thinking that we earned it ourselves. So even if you have only seen a little joy or a little peace in your life, know that it isn't because you've tried hard enough. It's because of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Where there is joy, where there is peace and kindness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control and gentleness, where all the fruit of the Spirit are evidenced even in small measure in your life, it came not from your striving, but from the Holy Spirit. So we boast not in ourselves, but in the free grace of God. See, Paul tells the Galatians, you are saved by grace, and you are sanctified by grace. These fruit of the Spirit come through His good gift to you, given through the Holy Spirit. So we know why these virtues belong to and come from the Spirit, but, but why does Paul say that they're fruit? Why that metaphor? Well, I wonder if it's because of this. Have you ever seen an apple tree eat an apple? No, fruit are not made for themselves, but for another, for the pleasure and benefit of another. The fruit of the Spirit, then, is not just a work that God does in us, but also through us. And we're in a world and a time that needs these fruit, aren't we? We need love in an age of self-interest, joy in an age of despair. We need peace in an age of anxiety patience in an age of instant gratification, kindness in an age of rage, goodness in an age of relativity, gentleness, sorry, faithfulness in an age of skepticism, gentleness in an age of harshness, self-control in an age of indulgence. Because the Spirit's work is a fruit and a work of God's free grace, it may very well be that the Spirit is bearing fruit in your life for someone else. Your spiritual fruit might not be for yourself. 
Your love might be on behalf of another. Your peace might be a non-anxious presence given to relieve your neighbor's anxiety. Your joy might be given to relieve your neighbor's despair. Your faith might relieve your neighbor's doubts. Your gentleness might provide a safe place for the wounded. And friends, we are in a time that is calling forth these virtues in our lives. So let us receive the Spirit's fruit by faith as the free gift of God's grace on behalf of our world. Now you may ask, if the Spirit's fruit belongs to the Spirit, and the Spirit is like the wind, uncontrollable and uncontainable, then what is there for me to do? And that's why Paul also tells us in this passage that the fruit of the Spirit is not just at war with the flesh, it's not just a work of God's free grace, it's also a walk. Paul began by telling the Galatians to walk in the Spirit, and he ends in the same way. In verse 25, he said, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So how do we keep in step with the Spirit? And what does that mean? What does that mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, I think Paul gives us a clue in verse 17 when he says, The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, walking in the Spirit is about desire, which means it's about our affections, our loves, which means that walking in the Spirit is about the heart. Walking in step with the Spirit is an intimate dependence on the Spirit to lead you. Now, there are a lot of things I could say about walking in the Spirit and many of the ordinary means of grace, like listening to sermons and reading the Bible and prayer and serving your neighbor. All of those things are, of course, ways that we might walk in step with the Spirit. But underneath that is a love for God and a desire to bear the Spirit's fruit in this world. Because to walk in the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit. It's to follow the Spirit. It's, it's this intimate relationship of dependence, listening for the Spirit's guidance and asking for His help. Not simply to get joy or peace or kindness, as good as those fruit may be, but to get God Himself and to show the world what He is like. Which leads us, walking in the Spirit, depending on Him, to say, Holy Spirit, would you make me more gentle with my children? Would you make me more patient with my co-workers? Would you help me to love difficult people? I want to be like you, God. Would you, would you give me self-control? Would you work in slow and steady ways in my heart to make me more like Christ? Not for my own personal peace, but so I can testify to your kingdom? See, the Holy Spirit may not be a shrink ray, but he is called the helper. And Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. So I ask you now, have you asked the Holy Spirit for help? Have you leaned on him in dependence and faith? Um, have you followed his guidance and listened for him whispering to you in the difficult situations of life that we're in, in the midst of the pain and the strife and the struggle of daily life and family and community life now and this time? Years ago, when I uh, was younger, believe it or not, um, I used to jog. And burdettes are not really made for jogging, but, you know, I did it anyway. 
And when I was about 22, I lived in um, a densely populated urban city on the west, uh, on the uh, west coast in Peru, a city called Trujillo. And while you may think me being 22 was only a couple years ago, it was actually a long time ago before um, GPS and Google Maps and um, any kind of smartphone. So when I would run, I would follow the same route. And um, about a year and a half of living there, um, following the same route, not really knowing where I was in the city, where they're winding, you know, it's winding streets. Um, one of my last days there, actually, um, before I moved back to the U.S., I decided to go for a jog. And instead of taking a right, I took a left. I departed from my usual course. And when I did, um, I looked ahead and it was a cloudy, overcast day fog rolling in and it looked like the street ended in about three blocks and when i got there sure enough the the street did end because that street emptied out into the pacific ocean and what i realized is that i had been the whole time i had been living there for the past 18 months i had been living a five minute jog from the beach and i never knew it I wonder if we've treated the Holy Spirit like that, if we've been plodding along, just resigned ourselves, waiting for the magic of the Holy Spirit to, to work, or if we've been striving on our own to fabricate the Holy Spirit, and all the while the Spirit has been there patiently waiting for us to draw near and ask for His help. C.S. Lewis once wrote, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Friends, that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It means to go to the God who is the source of love, joy, peace, patience, and all the fruit of the Spirit, and to say, I want you. I want to walk with you through this life, day by day, step by step, relying on your grace in my life, repenting of my sins, and depending on you to bear good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and to wage war against the works of the flesh in my heart, not just for my own good, but for the good of the world I live in. Maybe he's waiting for us now. Will you ask for his help? Amen.